Mark Santiago here, and welcome to the Empowered AF Podcast, where each episode we share powerful strategies to help you communicate, act, and lead like an empowered man. Thanks for joining me. All right. It's good to see you guys. There's a lot of you I've never seen before or talked to, so that's awesome. David Blank, nice to meet you, sir. Paul, I've seen you, but it's been a while. Love that beard, man. It's freaking rocking it. Got that thing. Adam Chocolin, you're still around? You're like the old man of the group. You're almost as old as K-Tuck. That's about right. We He started about the same time. I know, right? Shaved my head, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a look. You got to do something something when the Bucks are losing like they are. Oh, oh still oh, sour. Man. Still sour is what I hear. <laughs> I am still sour. Until we meet again, I'm still sour. <laughs> cool. Kevin, it's your, it's your call. You tell me what to do. All right. I'm letting a couple of guys in. Um, I'm going to start first with a quick apology to, to Kev Pierce. Uh, I posted um, about your podcast with your daughter, but I neglected to mention the podcast that you and Kevin did like two weeks after that. So uh, guys, go back and check that one out too, because he talks about this call uh, and co-parenting in general and some of the things that Kev has done um, around getting this set up. So I apologize, brother Kev. All good, my man. So I asked Mark or invited Mark to join us today so that we could get his take. Uh, He posted a podcast that he did with his absolutely stunning, gorgeous and cute as can be daughter um, and, and his experience with her and her perception of the divorce that, that Mark went through with his wife, his first wife. Um, and we can throw our big congratulations out there for uh, marrying Amy a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, right. Um, yep. And and his daughter had some great perspective. And I, I and then Mark also uh, in a recent podcast on one of his Ask Me Anything uh, podcasts talked about uh, answered a question actually on having that conversation with your kids and his his perception, his experience there. So I thought uh, Mark could come on, talk a little bit about that, answer our questions. Um, so we'll, when, when he's ready, we can open up the floor. Um, but uh, it was it was a great podcast, and she, Mark's daughter Elizabeth, right? Yep, was so open uh, about her perception of things, and uh, you know it was it was touching um, both of them to to be able to share. So, um, Mark, take away what you want to discuss, and we can get into questions and things that the other guys have as well. Yeah, it, you know, as a reminder, um, I think it's important you know, when you're going through this and whether, you know, whether divorce actually happens or not, isn't really the, the main thing here, right? What, what the main thing is, is who am I through this process? Who am I becoming through this process and how am I showing up? Right. And in that, what we see with our kids and the reflection, what we see with our kids is important. Uh, It was, it was mind boggling. I I think I told the story there, but I'll, I'll reiterate the story where you know, her and I went to our uh, coffee spot. Um, you know, we go probably every other week to a coffee shop in our neighborhood. Um, literally happens to be across the street from our house and the school. So it works out beautifully. And we we're there talking just about life. And it came up where she had some stuff that she'd been holding against me really for quite some time and had not shared it. And as she shared it, it started to open me up to what I was doing and what I thought it was doing. You know, I, I thought things were different than they were and didn't realize again, just like, 
you know, as you're going through this, you know, you might be aware of certain things, but then there's other things that you're not aware of. And it's important, I think, that you do your best to focus on you, number one, but also focus on being open and teachable. And that teachability is huge. Like we're seeing that even with our team as we're growing our team and we're hiring, like we're constantly focusing on bringing in other men who can impact you guys, whether it's coaching or sales or whatever, and that are teachable. Because if they're not teachable, they can't grow. And if they're not growing, how are you going to grow? Right. And so it's core value of mine to be that. And as the leader of this business, like it's a, it's a, it's a gift and a curse at the same time, because I have to live this shit. Like, I can't just like throw it off to K Tuck and Joey and go, Hey, you guys live this. I'm just going to go hang out over here. And it's like, no, I, I also got to live it. I got to do a power triangle now with my new wife, where I've got to own my own shit now in a different way than I had before. And this conversation really awoken me to what she was feeling, what she was seeing. And if you go back and listen, she shares her experience of what it was like with me and how I constantly complained. How, And I think she honestly was being really nice in the podcast because she knew it was being recorded for a podcast. But when we originally talked about it, she was like, you know, you complained a lot about mom. You talked about her all the time. And it was almost like she felt like she was becoming uh, my psychologist or my therapist. And five years prior to that, when we had gone through our first like really big breakup and she did leave and all these things happening, she was, she played that part. Her innocence was lost. And, you know, it, it wasn't a abusive situation, but it was definitely an emotionally unhealthy situation. And so I, I wanted to highlight that, you know, obviously to highlight the fact that I'm imperfect, but also to highlight the fact that you have to be aware of what your kids are experiencing right now. And those of you, you know, especially if you're newer to the program, you know that we talked about that probably on your call with Eric or whoever of like, you know, dude, what you're doing isn't just affecting you and your wife. It's also affecting your children and how you're showing up and what you're doing. And all those things are being reflected in that way. Mark, one of the things we've talked about uh, a lot on a lot of calls is codependence, yeah. um, both on our spouse, our, our partner, but also on our kids. Um, yes. And, and Kevin Pierce has been very open about that with in his situation. Do you think that was something you experienced, especially sharing so much with your daughter? hundred percent. And I think, you know, again, it's not one of those things where we're aware of it. It's just one of those things you start to do, especially like in my case, where I had a daughter who's mature and she understands the world. And I think there's also just being honest, right? There's this part of you that wants to win as a man. There's this part of you that goes, kid, don't you see what's happening here? Your mom's a fuck up, right? Your mom is a bitch. I mean, look at the shit she's putting your dad through. Like, that's what you're telling her with the things that you're doing so that she comprehends, oh, poor dad, you know, but that's manipulation. Like I manipulated her and I wasn't trying, you know, this is why I say 95% of the time people aren't trying to manipulate you. They're just trying to get healthy needs met in an unhealthy way. And I had a healthy need to feel heard. I had a healthy need to feel secure, to feel loved, to feel accepted, but I unhealthily went after it through a child, you know, in that way, obviously it's not abuse. It's not those things, but in that moment in, in, in how I, you know, showed up in the way I talked about her mom or the things I would say about her mom for her felt like, man, now you're making it worse, you know, and that, and that's hard, you know, because I, I know I'm right in some aspects, but at the other side of it, it doesn't matter right? It doesn't matter who 
is the better parent? Who's the better, you know, adult out of this situation? I think what matters is that you win and your kids win. And, and hopefully your spouse wins in the sense that they find themselves through this process, whether that's through divorce or, or you guys get back together, whatever it looks like for you, because everyone's different. Well, and I'd say in Elizabeth's defense, she had a lot to deal with with her mom, too. And, oh, yeah. And some of the medical issues that uh, her mom was dealing with and all of those things that you've been yeah. very open with. So, um, yeah, putting that pressure on your kid is is uh, it's not fair to them. Yeah, definitely not. What so, else? Do you guys have questions? Yeah, I was going to say is I would I would love to open it up and like let's get some let's get some questions rolling. Um, you we've know, got whether a it's broad spectrum of guys with kids, we've got guys with young kids, we've got guys with older kids, we've got guys I, with grown. I got both. Kids. Yeah, you've got, I've got both spectrums. Of, all seven of them. Oh no, as young as four and as old as sixteen. Uh, we did get two submitted questions as well. Okay, good. Let's, David, let's Blake, start with Okay. Hi. Hey, Mark. Uh, hey, David. Good to see you again. Um, so I did submit a question to Kevin's page today, like not that long ago, but so like this past weekend, like something came up between my daughter and wife where um, like they've been going at each other for like what seems like six to eight months, like whatever my wife is dealing with. And since I've started doing this program, my daughter has been more open to me. Um, she's been expressing things. I've been able to speak to her feelings and emotions a lot better than I honestly ever could have imagined. She loves being around me. Like she's totally become like a daddy's girl, which is like, it warms my heart thinking about it. But like what's happening is like our kids are adopted. We adopted them roughly a year ago. We've had them in our home for about three months or three years or so. And um, when we first had them in foster care, like my wife was like really the ideal mom and like in a lot of ways, like she always served the kids and she, like she had a heart for it. And like over the last year, um, I feel like this like sense of resentment between the two and their, their, their normal conversations are basically like my wife complaining about my daughter's attitude and um how she's so ungrateful and how she's like sassy and nasty to her brothers and like i can see her acting out a lot more because of that and so like she's expressed to me that my wife like mom doesn't care about like if i'm sick and she doesn't want to talk to me and i have trouble talking to her about school and she's always in her room and like she's always like deflecting all this blame on my wife and um so anyway, like something happened, my wife's like, your hair looks terrible. You never brush it. And we went into this arcade and like, my wife's like, okay, well, you're not doing anything, are you? And so like my daughter like stormed out of the arcade. We're in Wisconsin Dells. It was cold. She didn't have a coat on. She just walked out. And so like, I kind of went after, like went after my daughter just to kind of see what was going on. And, you know, she was just like casting this blame on my wife. And um, my wife said like, you know, I'm going to smack your mouth or whatever. And I wanted to like say something like we're not supposed to talk to people like that. And I wanted to say like, well, we shouldn't talk to our kids like that. I didn't say it. So when she was throwing this fit, my daughter had said like, you didn't, she's like, you didn't defend me, you know? And like, whenever mom says something like that to me and, you know, and she's 11, she's almost 11. And she's like, you know, you don't say anything. You just, you just don't respond and you don't tell mom that she shouldn't do this or like, 
you know, I want to tell mom she's a slot or she's mean and evil or whatever. I don't like her and all this stuff. And I, and I kind of expressed to her like, Hey, you know, um, I know what's going on right now is really difficult. It seems difficult. Um, I noticed you guys don't get along really well. And I just kind of assured her that, um, like I'm a safe place for her and like, you can tell me this stuff, but I can't be expected. You know, I, I don't know. I didn't know how to put it, but like, I felt like I couldn't be expected to sit there and stand in between my wife and daughter to then create like a more angry situation with my yeah. wife. She was already like worked up. So I'll, st I guess I'm completed, but that was kind of my dilemma. How do I approach talking to my daughter and like, how do I show defense for my daughter? If she is like kind of not being, she doesn't being abused, but she's definitely getting her feelings hurt. And like, feels like she's like lost her mom. Yeah. Great question. Um, there's a lot in there. What I would, what I'd want to start with is you said she's 11. Yeah. She's about to turn 11. Okay. So we're still in this dynamic where she's not a teenager. So she's not, um, you know, in, in her brain. And if you will, she's not developed to the point of teenagers. However, because she's a foster kid, uh, there's a good chance that she's a lot more mature than an average 10 year old. So therefore she's seen a lot in, in the world. Um, your wife is clearly projecting stuff onto her that she's feeling about herself, um, causing this, you know, this, this, uh, this emotional dysfunction. You're right. I don't know that I would call it abuse, but it's definitely, you know, kind of borderline emotional abuse in some ways. Um, you know, and so I think there's a couple of things to look at and consider in, in these situations. Number one, um, I like how you're not trying to get totally involved where you're not trying to necessarily save, because I think a lot of guys in this, in this situation want to save the kid, um, from the parent. That was definitely me. Um, I did yeah. a lot of that, like trying to save my daughter. And now as she's older, um, you know, they, they definitely have a lot of contention. Um, she doesn't go over there. She doesn't see her. They don't have a relationship at this point. And that's been through her own choice. Um, you know, and I tried having conversations, but it didn't go anywhere. So usually my recommendation is for you to obviously be as neutral as possible. However, when there's, when there's things that are said that are, that are mean or that are like very damaging to her, I don't have a problem bringing that up to your, to your wife and saying, Hey, when I heard you say that to her, it, it was very mean and, and her feelings were definitely hurt. Um, how do you feel about that? You know, or, or asking questions around it um, because you kind of, she's an adult, you know, your wife is an adult. As far as I know, she's over 18, uh, you know, and so therefore because of that, she needs to own her own actions and her own shit. Right. So, you know, bringing it up that, Hey, you know, I heard that uh, you know, that you said this now, if you weren't there, you could say uh, what's your daughter's name. Sorry, or, yeah. Okay. I don't think anybody's nice. Yeah. You're, you're, okay. So, you know, Aria uh, had a conversation with me and she was really hurt. Um, can we discuss it? You know, like, so this would be a, a way to bring it up. Um, well, she told me this and, the, you know, and she did this. And you know, I, I hear you. I hear you. I know that can be frustrating. I know that can be really frustrating when that happens. However, I, I do sense that she is really hurt by what you said. Um, do you think it'd be appropriate for you maybe to have a conversation with her um, and explain where you were coming from, but also maybe apologize for how it came across? Again, I don't know your wife and I don't know how deep the situation is. I'm just giving you some thoughts to think about, right? In terms of a, a framework to, to do with this. Because um, then what I'd want to do is I want to help the wife hopefully understand 
that what she's doing is causing damage to your daughter. And I want to tie it to the relationship she wants to have with her daughter. You know, is this the, do you, do you, are you happy with a contentious relationship? Well, no, of course not. Okay. I don't want you to have a contentious relationship either. So I've got some thoughts around how we can work through that. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, can I like interject for a second? Absolutely. Um, so like I've kind of approached her in the past, not in that way. I mean, I was like, still, I'm still kind of learning, you know, I've been with it, but like, there's times where I kind of sound like a robot when I'm trying to frame things and set the narrative. But, um, and she says that, you know, but it's like not an attack, but like what, what comes up a lot when I have a conversation or if it comes across as like, I'm defending my daughter or like just kind of asking questions about her, my wife just calls her a manipulator. Yeah. Like she manipulates you. She's got you wrapped around her finger and she just want, you know, like that's like her reaction. And how do you respond? She she's being overdramatic. How do you respond um, when she says that? I say like, I mean, it's been a while since, since we've had that conversation, but I guess the way I did respond was, um, you know, I don't believe that to be true. <laughs> um, I, I, I believe I'm, I'm um, just trying to hear what my daughter has to say for what it is at face value. And then I kind of sense determine um, what could be around that. You know, I guess yeah. like that's my fixing mode a little nope. bit, but um, that, that's kind of where I stop Cause it's, then it's just like, like, I don't have the best, like we've been getting better, but like, I don't have the greatest relationship where I can like walk in and like talk to her because yeah. so many of these other distractions. So it's like, if I talk for five minutes and she checks out, it's like, well, that can't conversation's gone, yeah. you know? And then you almost have to like ask or ask for a space to have that conversation again. Yeah. And it's like, it's like on the clock though. That's the way it feels. Yeah. I mean, in, in my situation specifically, because I dealt with, you know, with, with what my daughter has experienced from her mom, you know, the it's, it's the same way. It's very touchy. It's very, you know, you don't, you, 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 right. She's using a lot of weak statements towards me what I had to learn to do was not defend myself in that case. And, you know, really just kind of, okay, I hear you. I, yep. I hear that. Totally understand where you're coming from. Cool. Okay. So you're ready to have a conversation. <laughs> you know, it's like you just yeah. let them kind of share what they're sharing, but especially with toxic people, right? Toxic people that don't want to own anything, don't want to be pointed out anything. Now here's the other, the flip side of that is I've had to also get stern and say, Hey, what you're doing is not okay. And I would appreciate if you stop chatting with talking to her that way. It is not okay for you to be abusive in that way. Do not say those things to her. I'm also her father, just as much as you're her mother. And I do not appreciate you talking to her that way. So there are times when you have to be stern and say, it's not okay for you to talk to our child that way. This is abuse and it needs to stop. I've called, I called it out many, many times. Um, when it gets to that place, because if they're not receptive to the conversation as it stands, then I have to go in for more of a power triangle or even just a flat out power statement. You know, I feel like you are being manipulative right now. It needs to stop, right? You know, where you just like yeah. get right to it and get stern. Um, because ultimately, you, you know, you can't protect everyone in this case. What you can do is be there for your daughter, be a sounding board, but not her emotional blanket, right? You don't want to become, you don't want to become her savior in that regard. You want to have healthy dialogue and communication. 
Here's the other side. And this is the part we haven't talked about yet is empowering her with words that she can share with her mom. So this is another thing that I did was I then said, okay, you have this problem with your mom. What I need you to do is have a conversation with her and I will go and I will be with you. So for example, when my daughter didn't want to live with her mom anymore or go, you're not even live with her, but go stay with her. I had her come to my house. We sat down at my dinner table and I said, she has some things she wants to share with you. And I'm just going to be here for support. And I empowered her with words. Um, I sat back. I let them discuss. I really didn't get involved at all. She started trying to blame me and you know, all the stuff as you're doing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, you <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. Um, because there's just certain things that you can't even acknowledge. You know, it's like there's normal talk and there, you know, there's normal, like I feel this way, or I'm very passionate that you're, you know, I feel, it just feels like you're trying to manipulate the situation. Hey, honey, I hear that. I can understand where you would, why you would feel that way. It does feel like you're ganged up on and things of that nature. Totally understand that. And that's not the goal here. The goal here is so that our daughter feels heard. Yeah. And I, I want to piggyback on a couple yeah. of things too, Dave. Um, the emotion wheel, uh, can help your daughter. And we've got the kids version too. And the, uh, the, the diagrams that Ron Oliveri found for us that we've shared out there in the, in the uh, community as well. So they can be helpful for your daughter to express if you have that opportunity to sit down with both of them. Um, I do, I do want to piggyback too on something that both of you guys said about safe space. And I see an opportunity here for you to really be a safe space for both of them. I mean, it's gonna, it's, it's, Mark used the word touchy and it's definitely that it is, it is walking on the, the edge of a knife kind of thing, but you have an opportunity here to communicate openly with both of them to kind of bridge that open communication. If they, if they can mirror your uh, demeanor and everything and really conduct a good conversation for both of them that they feel safe to share with you there. And part of that though, is going to come back to his influence in her. So, meaning, David, if you have minimal influence right now in your wife's life, it's going to be really hard to have that with her, unfortunately. Yeah. So, in a normal situation, what Kevin's saying is like, that'd be ideal, right? Yeah. Like, if we're all talking about a normal, like, my teenage daughter is not getting along with my wife, my wife and I are in a pretty good place, but they're just fighting a lot, and she's saying some nasty things, that's an opportunity for me to lead and, and do these things. But with this situation, it tends to be unique because you don't have that safe space with her. Like she doesn't feel like you're a safe place. Therefore she's going to go, Oh, well, you're just doing this. You're just doing that. So mm -hmm. you're going to have this assault of words. I think you have to determine your, your course of action has to be determined by where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. You know? And in this case, it's like, let me, let me protect my daughter's heart as much as possible. Let me make it known in the, in the atmosphere to my wife that what she's saying and doing, I don't agree with and don't appreciate but you can also, I'll kind of give you, I'll throw this in there too. You can also assuage your wife in a little word. I, I love using that word. Most people don't know what assuage means. It's a really cool word. Guys are Googling it right now. Yeah, assuage. <laughs> you can assuage her uh, her ego in a little bit by saying, honey, I've, I've noticed, or not honey, whatever, however you call her, right? Honey, I've noticed that you you and, and uh, Aria have been fighting a lot. Um, and I wanted to chat with you about it. It sounds like she's really frustrating you sounds like she's really getting on your nerves, pissing you off, right? What that does is yeah, yeah. that helps her feel validated for her feelings, right? So if you can do that without coming off corny or like rehearsed or whatever, it's like, man, she must be really pissing you off. Doing that, it's like, yeah, she's fucking making me mad and she's whatever. Oh, tell me more. And just be curious. Uh -huh. Like, why do you think that's bothering you, right? So you can take a totally different approach where you're now asking questions to it again same thing like 
you, you know, those of you, uh, you remember being on a call with our team prior to enrolling in, the, in, in our program, we ask a lot of questions because we want to understand where you're coming from and where you're at instead of just telling you, oh, well, you need to do this and you need to go do that and all these things like you guys don't give a fuck about that. What you care about is do you do you feel heard? Do you know that we understand what you're going through right now? We can help you. Right. That's the same thing with your wife. She needs to know that you actually hear her and that she can trust you. So that's the way you really do it with her. Was you just put her in a place of like, tell me more about that. How's that feeling? That's got to suck. That's hard. Do you want to continue uh-huh. that? How can I support you in this? Right. Those are the types of questions then you can a- ask in there. I just want to jump in. That's literally what I did when me and my ex-wife first separated because she was always complaining that my, the girls never wanted to go to her house. They would always cry and throw fits like that. Ended up, we were parenting in two totally different styles. My house was like lawless anarchy, fun land, because I just wanted them to like dad's house. And mom's house was where the dictator lived. Um, So I just, you know, we had a conversation and I was just like, I don't want you to have to go through that every time I get the kids and stuff. And we just came to the conclusion that like, I have to enforce some rules. We came up with family rules so that everything's a little more cohesive. Um, So yeah, as Mark said, just kind of stroke her ego a little bit and like, come and help her out in a way that ultimately is going to help the whole situation out. Yeah, that makes sense. Complete there. Does that help, David? Yeah, it, it helps. Um, yeah, I don't want to take like too much more time on it. Um, I'd say like in the last two months, like it felt like my wife was like moving back, like in, like leaning back in. And even as of recently as like last Friday, things seemed like on the right track with each other like I wasn't like sold on her like leaning in but like at the same time like it felt better and we were communicating better and then like this weekend happened and like all of a sudden I just feel like I'm the I don't even know how I became the bad guy in the situation but um like I got lashed out at and like I try not to defend myself like I I hear Kevin saying that Kevin Tucker saying that all the time it's like you don't have to defend yourself you just have to I don't know like a week ago, I thought we were in a better place. Like right now, I feel like we're kind of on eggshells just based on uh, like what happened this weekend. <laughs> well, that's where that consistency thing comes in, right? Time, space, yeah. consistency. It's consistent. Maybe she's testing you. Maybe, you know, you don't know what's going on. So the way you show sure. up consistently uh, will, will yeah. prove in the end. Well, and the other thing, Thank too, you. the other thing, too, David, to speak to that, you know, piece of things is that, um, Ultimately, you're never in a good place. You're always constantly searching for growth, right? The, the minute you think you're in a good place with your wife is the minute you've lost her. Yeah. Because it's, it's literally that complacency that ruins a marriage, right? So if you're focusing, if your brain is actively looking for, are we in a good place? Are we in a good place? Are we in a good place? And then it's like, oh, things are happy. We had sex. Things are good. Then it's like you all of a sudden let go of all the pieces you've been building up to this point. And you start to lose out on the growth because things are in a good place. And this is where we lose so many clients in our process where they're coming along. They're three, four weeks in the journey. They're using power statements and power triangles. She's like, oh, wow, who's this guy? You know, next thing you know, they're sleeping together. And next thing you know, it's week seven and eight. And things are getting really hard in terms of the program because we give you some really hard exercises. And then we're like, what happened to that guy? Where did he go? And it's like, oh, yeah, it's because it got too hard because he thought everything was good and he didn't have to do the work. Then six months later, I get a text, man, Mark, my life is falling apart. My wife left me again. I don't know what to do with myself. It's like, dude, why didn't you do the work? 
you know? Yeah. So it, so, and, I don't, and I'm not saying this to pick on you at all, David, it's just more that language. And I want other men to hear this. It's important that you never go, well, I think we're in a good place. No, no, no. You're never in a good place. You're, you're never in a good place. You are in the place that you are in today, which is we're communicating, we're doing those things, but it's not a good or bad. It's indifferent. And if you can take that approach to it, it'll make you focus just on the growth. How can I continue to get better at my communication skills with her? How can I continue to own my shit with her? How can I continue to lead by doing that? That's how you really end up in a good place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that share too. That's great. Great questions. Principal Rich, what you got brother? Hey, what's up fellas? Good to see you, Mark. Congrats, buddy. Thank you, sir. So I'm wondering if you can just speak to, um, so, um, my divorce is pretty close to being finalized here. Um, and I feel like both my soon to be ex and I are doing a good job of trying to create space for the kids to share emotions, right? Like, and where they're at with things. Um, and this has been ongoing for some time, um, as you well know. Um, but I have a 13 year old daughter, 12 year old daughter and 10 year old son. And all three of them, they're just not there yet to be able to verbalize or, and we've even talked about journaling. We've both talked about how we've done our own self-care. I've told them it took me till I was freaking 47 to do that. I'd like for them to start that a little earlier in their yeah. life. Um, but I'm just wondering if you have feedback on how much you push on that, how much you just let it happen organically or what your thoughts would be on that. Cause I certainly do want them to process these emotions. I just don't want to be overbearing and I, also don't want to sweep it under the rug like it doesn't freaking exist yeah i mean this is a great question so i think if you look at it from a trauma perspective right which is if something traumatic has just occurred and it's and it's something that's like almost like a out of the blue whatever right you want to be able to articulate some of that and and kind of understand it a little bit like like let's say you got in a car accident right and let's say your kid just got in a car accident. You want to see if they can articulate what they feel a little bit about that car accident. Um, there's a there's a thing, a sliding scale in, in uh, therapy called the experience scale. And ideally, what you want is for that person to be able to articulate what they've experienced and how it affects them emotionally. Right. Um, the more they can express that, the better it's going to be for them long term. Um, with your kids and where they're at. The more you ask them, the more you can berate them, the more it can become worse for them because it's almost like a re-traumatization. Now, I'm not saying sweep it under the rug, you know, everything's good because like a lot of times kids just won't share and they don't think they can share. And then they end up in a place of 10 years down the road and they're in therapy. <laughs> they're like, I hate my parents, fuck them, you know, whatever. So you, you definitely don't want to be in that place. So it's really about, I think Rich is about finding a, a fine line between opening the door and saying, Hey, I, you know, I want to be this place for you, but at the same time, giving them permission to not have to articulate. Um, I remember trying to press on my, my um, middle son a little bit too much. And he like lost his shit on me a little bit. And it was just like, you know, I don't want to talk about this. And that felt unsafe to him. So it wasn't a safe place anymore. And it kind of really put a damper in the relationship for a bit. Um, and he's also, he is the opposite kid for me. He's the, the toughest one, if you will, where him and I are complete polar opposites. He doesn't like my personality. Like there's like all kinds of like weird little nuances about it that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't appreciate, but that doesn't mean I can't be there for him. It doesn't mean I can't open the door. So the second thing I would say is looking for opportunities for, for them to share when something happens or when 
uh, you go through something, right? Um, like for example, you're going to create new memories this Christmas, right? I know last Christmas was tough. This Christmas will be a different Christmas than it was last year. Last year you had pandemic school closures and all of this all happening all at the same time. Cause that was right when it was all really like firing up right for you. So this Christmas is gonna be an opportunity for new memories, right? I'm assuming you guys are already living apart. I can't remember where, where we're at in your story. Yeah, we are now. We were in and out of the house. The kids were staying, but now the kids are staying at her place as of about two weeks ago. She has a different place and everything. Okay. So with you, it's going to be new memories in the say in the former, I guess, former house or, or the former family home for now. So it's going to be a new memory for them. It's an opportunity to create that and, and focus on the positive of what is moving forward, not moving back. So as much as I'm for therapy and as much as I am for processing pain and dealing with those things, sometimes kids need more of a, a positive future and a hope than they need to like constantly, you know, go in the back, going back, going back, rehashing stuff. Um, now, if you see problematic behavior come up, so you start seeing uh, something that you didn't see before, you know, maybe, maybe the 10 year old starts wetting the bed a lot. Uh, maybe the 13 year old starts lashing out, starts doing things that then becomes an opportunity for you to discuss, Hey, it feels like things are happening in you that maybe you're confused about, you're angry about. Um, I want to create a place to understand that. I want to understand what's happening in you because it, you know, I'm sure life is scary right now and see if that opens the door for them to share a little bit more about what they're experiencing and what they're going through. Chances are the 13 year olds expressing it with their friend group or on social media. Um, I would definitely be monitoring your teenagers to a T. Um, you know, I had something happen with, with my daughter not that long ago, where it was like, I wasn't monitoring. I probably should have been monitoring more. Um, but you know, these kids are going through stuff, man. And, and <laughs> I thought the internet was bad 10 years ago. It's way worse these days. Like there's just so much opportunity for uh, all kinds of activity to happen that, you know, where you want to be careful. And so I'd be monitoring social media activity, um, posts, things they're saying, those are the types of things your 13 year old more than likely to say, or in your, I think you say you have a 12 year old as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 13 and 12, I'd be looking at that 10 year old to be looking at behaviors. All of them are looking at behaviors and, and you know, you're an educator. I'm, I'm speaking to the, the choir here. You're, you're a man of, of, of uh, talent when it comes to kids, you, you understand how they operate and what they're going through. So, you know, when a child is acting out in the classroom, there's usually something going on at home. It's very similar. You know, we're just, we're just looking for, are there things happening where they're acting out in a certain way that's unusual? Some of it's growth, you know, like, you know, it's just part of being a teenager and other of it's going to be, it's a manifestation of what they're feeling in their, in their soul. Yeah, no, right on. Okay. No, I appreciate that. And then I have to sign off here pretty quick, but I just wanted to put something in the room for everyone else and maybe to learn from my mistakes here. My 13 year old is like, identical to my wife in so many ways, like in the way she looks and the way she talks and acts and all of that. And I've really had to fight the urge. Like, I feel like sometimes I'm almost taking shit out on her, like unconsciously um, or subconsciously, whatever. Um, and I've, and I've found myself getting caught up in that. So I just, if you want to learn from, from me and not doing it the right way throughout this is just to be conscious of that. Cause since she's so much like her, I think that's where it kind of stems from. So. Yeah. I appreciate that, Rich. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate you, brother. Good seeing Christian, you, Rich. How, how about you, man? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Hey, Mark. Hey. Uh, good to see you. Congratulations. Thank you. 
Um, uh, you know, I guess maybe to um, tag on to Rich's points a little bit, it's um, and and to try to stay on topic here today with the safe space for our kids. Um, you know, actually, I'll just share like this week. Uh, you know, the interesting thing that I think I am working my way through is I've got a 13 year old son and, uh, uh, and, and I think what I'm discovering is that, you know, the stuff that happened between his mother and I is like the least important stuff to him at the moment. Right. It's kind of not affecting his life. In other words, he's sort of, he's kind of good with where he is because he's got other stuff going on with his friends. I, I mean, I've been, I had lunch with one of his friends, fathers who I'm friends with now, you know, at lunch. And I think one of their friends is you know, who they've been friends with forever is, I think he's coming out and every and everybody's reacting to it differently, right? But they're like 14 and just trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, you know, and they all haven't reacted to it the same way. And that seems to be like the big thing going on in their life right now. So I guess I'm trying to stay on top of it and be supportive and not ask too many questions, be vigilant, like that there's things going on in their lives, but not be I don't know, you know, and some of you may disagree with that as a certain way of moving forward, but you know, it's, um, I don't know, kids have got a lot of stuff going on in their lives. Right. And, yeah. um, so anyways, um, that's, that's one of the things I've got going on right now and, uh, and, uh, just trying to be a safe space for them. Right. And not, and not be too judgmental or anything of that sort. So, cause I certainly have a point of view about what he's going through. So, um, uh, but that may not be his point of view. So I got to be open to that. So I guess one of the, so just to get back on topic here, um, uh, in terms of the whole, um, you know, like being a safe space for kids and trying to, you know, be open with them about what's going on and how they're feeling. I think one of the, you know, one of the things I've discovered, you know, like, so I got a 16 year old daughter and when I ask her questions about what's going on, how she's feeling, her more recent response is that I, that I am weird. That's her response, right? And and then I've got a nine-year-old son who is really smart, and he starts he starts asking questions, and they're not like easy to answer questions. Like we were in the car like a week and a half ago, driving around, and I think I put this in one of the chats somewhere. You know, I mean, we started off talking. He, he asked me like, why do you, why do you cry? Why, why does water come out of your eyes when you get sad? And then next thing you know, that turns into like two questions later, he's like, oh, are you going to a therapist? And I'm like, you're nine years old, right? Like that's a pretty adult question to be asking me as a nine-year-old. And I see some of your, some of you have probably been asked the same question, right? Or some version of this question, right? So I guess, you know, here's my general question for the group is, you know, like how much information is too much information for kids. And I know they're all different. Right. And I know, I, you know, Misty is covered. Like don't, you know, there's no point in ever just unleashing on your children. Like your mom did this and your mom did this. Cause that's not good for anybody. But at the same time, I mean, I, you know, I was a little, I, I mean, I was, I was taken aback enough by the question that I just started answering them. Like, yeah, I've been seeing a therapist and, yeah, I was on antidepressants and he's so he's like, he doesn't even really know what those are. He's heard the word somewhere. Right. But he's like, yeah, I was taking So I'm like, yeah, I was taking medicine for a little while, but I'm not taking medicine anymore because I'm feeling a lot better. I did tell him, I did tell him every day at lunch, I get on a call with a bunch of guys that have gone through the same thing and we're talking about it together. And he's like, oh, really? That's, you know, wait, are you at your desk? Are you at a table? Are you in front of people? Right. No. So he's anyway. So that's my general question. Right. It's, you know, like, 
how, how much information do you think is too much information for and I and I, I can already kind of think of what the answer is, but it might just be a good for discussion. Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. Um, and I think you're right. Like for me, the number one thing is to never throw the the wife under the bus mm -hmm. um, as much as possible to keep those things um, within, you know, um, my kids really don't know much about what happened and what the real breakdown was and where we went sideways. Um, mm -hmm. My nine-year-old doesn't really understand any of that, um, you know, at all. And, uh, you know, we tried, I tried explaining to him, you know, this is what's going on. We're struggling. And, you know, and this is what we're getting, we're moving on to separate houses, you know, going through all that stuff, age appropriate language is key. You know, so when you're saying about you being sick, things like that, I don't really have a problem with anything you just shared in terms of telling that to your kid. Um, I think what you're doing is being honest about you and what you're going through. I think that's huge. Like, mm -hmm. Think about this, like your nine-year-old, whether he totally remembers or not, when he's 22, let's just say, and he maybe has a girlfriend and breaks his heart, he might remember, my dad told me about this group of guys that would meet and talk about that. I wonder what that was about. Maybe he comes back and has that conversation. Hey, dad, when you were going through that with mom, what was that like? What did, what did you do? You know, because he sees the growth in you also. He, like kids pay attention. They know when you are not okay, they feel it in the atmosphere and he sees, I mean, Christian, like you've grown tremendously in the year I've known you, um, you know, because you've done the work, right? So kids pick up on that huge. They, they know when dad is okay. They know when dad is being affected by all these things. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing a little bit about what you are going through. Now, if you start getting into these hour long conversations where you're like, and then this happened and then this happened and then that happened and that happened. I mean, yeah, that's not fruitful for anyone, but, yeah. but being open about your struggles, nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. Yeah. We don't want to make our kids our therapist, right? Like Mark yeah. was saying with his daughter early on, but at the same time, as a father of almost 16 year old, and, and you're, you're in the same position with your kids, we want to let them know that it's okay to feel it's okay to express those emotions. And yeah, I'm a safe space, but hopefully so is your mom that's on her but it is it's it's that's okay and and in the case of my soon to be 16 year old his kid his friends are coming to him now and so it's important to me to teach him how to communicate how to share with them so that he's a safe space for the friends that come to share to him mm -hmm. yeah. yeah awesome agreed thanks christian oh marker so i've got a question about parenting but i've also got like a 30-second piece of feedback for David, if y'all are interested in hearing it. Let's do it. So, David, um, because now you're empowered and you stand in confidence, you're the leader of your home, you're the leader of your marriage, you're the leader of your family. Um, I would encourage you to take leader, take a leadership role in those situations, brother. When, when I And it took a long time for me to get here with Amber, okay? We're co-parenting amazing right now. Um, hey, honey. I got this. I got him. Don't worry about it. Go, go watch him. I got him. And it takes time to build that relationship of trust. Hey, I, you know what? I'm dad. When I'm here, I'm the disciplinary. You ain't got to worry about a thing. And Hey, it goes beyond that, dude. When I'm here, I'm going to change the diapers. I'm going to, well, you know, they're potty trained now, but it, now if the kid scrapes his knee and he runs to mom, that's fine. You nurture, you be mom. I'm dad. And, and allow her that, that comfort of, Hey, David's got this. He, and that, it's going to be met with toxicity at first, but 
yeah, like Adam said, own it. Be, you know, stand up, be the leader, man. I know you got it. I appreciate you guys letting me share that. But, um, Mark, my question for you, brother, would be, um, so my, my two kids, um, my oldest one is a clone of me. My youngest one is a clone of his mother. Um, whenever he was born, I was a very weak minded individual. I didn't show up. I was very shy. Um, when I was home because I was always walking on eggshells, my wife, um, her lifestyle is very negative right now. She's very depressed and she's, uh, she is uh, secluding herself. She's isolating herself. I'm starting to see my oldest son, who has my previous personality, uh, the worse off his mother gets. I'm starting to see himself isolate as well. We had a, um, and this is something I've been, uh, I've been aware of, and I've been doing my best to, to fight it um, without being forceful. Um, but I, it was something I noticed he had an event at school yesterday that uh, really broke my heart. He didn't want to have anything to do with his school friends. He's just kind of the kid off in the corner. And uh, I want to help him with that as much as I can. Um, what, what would be your opinion on, you know, helping pull this kid out of his shell How in a gentle he? manner? He's four. Okay. So, I mean, at that age, like, there's so much change that he's going to encounter. Like, yeah. it's, it's hard to put a pin on it. I will say that, you know, my four-year-old, turning into my 15 year old son is very similar personality. Like the personality didn't change all that much. Um, what would you say to your four-year-old self? Uh, and I, I've kind of dug into that for me. Um, yeah. I had an abusive childhood. Hey, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. Yeah. I'm going to do my best as an adult, not to let you down. Yeah. I'm going to always be here for you. Yeah. And that, that's my conversation with, with my child with with me as a child yeah um and I, i'm kind of leaning towards that with him i'm structuring a conversation in my head of just asking him you know all of your friends were over there i was noticing you weren't uh do you want to talk about that but i don't know that he's cognizant enough to have that yeah. conversation at four it's really really hard i mean i'm not a child psychologist um mm -hmm. i've had four kids myself and I've got seven total living with me. And so I've had my share of four-year-olds and uh, at four, my, my daughter right now is four. I don't know that she would understand that. I, I look at more positive reinforcement. So yes. like looking for ways to bring him like, Hey, let's go over here and let's play with Joe and, and whatever. And like, let's get him engaged. Like doing that kind of stuff, I feel like would be more impactful than like, hey, so tell me how you're feeling about this. You know, like he's probably gonna be like, what? You know, like he's not gonna be able to articulate. And I, I love the thought. Like, trust me, like the way you're thinking about it is fine. Um, but I don't know that that would produce the the best result. I feel like you could simply bring the kid to you know, like, like not let him isolate himself. Like, ah, come on over here. Let's, let's play with Joe and, and Susie or whatever it is. Um, and just like positive reinforcement for doing that behavior that you're looking for. So that he's not isolating himself at the same time. Isolation. Isolation is one of those weird things where um, I used to have this pastor and say, isolation breeds weirdness. And it's, it's so true. And I thought it was a, like a, a great statement, but at the same time, there are introverted people who need some isolation because they're over, 
sensitized to everything that's going on. So, for example, if he's an introvert by nature, and maybe he doesn't, you know, you haven't discovered that yet because he's four, but if he's introverted, he might need that time away from other people. I am an extrovert, but I still need time away from other people. Like, don't talk to me. I'm going to be over here in my box and leave me alone. It doesn't mean I'm trying to isolate myself. It just means I need time away from that sense of nature. So, so I would look at it as, as both of those things of going, okay, is this him literally isolating himself because he's afraid, like there's fear, or is it because he's oversensitized to what's happening? You know, obviously when you get into autism and things like that, I'm not saying that about your kid, but like there's autistic kids that have that where it's like they have to wear the headphones and stuff because there's too much sensitization going on. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. And um, he has a, uh, a test for autism schedule. The doctor does believe he he's on some level. Um, of the spectrum. So that, yeah. Yes, sir. I don't fully understand that yet. But what, um, what I would say about that is don't let it define him. Absolutely. Yes, sir. If, yeah. Is, is, you know, even if he is like, dude, there are so many people on the spectrum today. It's probably even on this call. I don't even know. Like I might be on the spectrum. I don't know. But like, there's so many people that are, Joey's like, you definitely are on the spectrum. No. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many people that have it, but are high functioning. And like, there's nothing wrong with them. That's just part of their, you know, their social skills. Um, my brother has Asperger's and it's, you know, he's socially, he's like awkward, you know, it's like weird, but he's high functioning as much as possible. You know, like, like I always tell my mom, you're just too easy on him. Like he's just the baby of the family is getting away with everything. Cause you treat him like, like he's something, you know, special. It's like, he's nothing special. He's just got blonde hair and blue eyes, you know? <laughs> so like, so my point is don't let that become a, an issue, but I think you can do proactive positive behaviors and, and that'll help. Does that, does that help Paul? Did that answer? Absolutely. Your yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that, bud. Cool. I'll piggyback super quick. I know Ron's got his hand up, and I want to get to him for the calls over. Uh, first off, Elon Musk is on the spectrum, so yeah. definitely don't let him to be defined by that. And then second, I just want to reinforce what Mark said about um, this is something I do with my four-year-old as well, about just creating situations where she can be social and then also modeling situations where you're social and they see you you know, in mingling with your friends and stuff. So with me and my daughters, we usually go to the skate park once or twice a week. Sometimes there's kids there and they can ride scooters together. They see me with my friends bullshitting and laughing and doing fun stuff and everything like that. Um, so I would just, you know, try to incorporate some situations throughout the week or month or whatever to where there's other kids around to play with. There are other people for you to hang out with and you can socialize with. Another thing Kevin Pierce has talked about in the past is using stuffed animals and things to say, Boy, I really like the way that, you know, I forget your son's name, the way he did that, the way he was interacting, or even the way, you know, little Charlotte was interacting with everybody in class and to speak to that stuffed animal to reinforce what your kid was doing. Appreciate that, Kevin. Yes, sir. Ron Oliveri, you're up. Thanks, Paul. Hey, guys. Hey, Mark. Um, oh, man. That's something I've kind of I battled with for a long time. I'm just going to bring it up because you brought up Christmas and new traditions. And I'm often struggling with uh, my emotions versus what's right for my kids. And my soon-to-be ex, you know, wants to be able to do Christmas morning together. Uh, we've got a big thing that we usually do with a bunch of friends or we have a bunch of kids that are in the same age and we all have a big dinner and they exchange presents and we go on and look at Christmas lights at a few houses in the area. She wants to be able to do that together. And for me, it's been something that I've been very uncomfortable with and not, it's a boundary I haven't really wanted to cross. 
So there's a piece of me that says that's my boundary. I need to stick to it. But then there's a piece of me that says, well, can I suck it up for my kids? Um, or am I needing to sort of create these new traditions? Because that's sort of the way life is moving forward. I don't know at what point you rip that bandaid off. They're, they're two, six and eight. Um, or if I sort of, you know, let my boundaries fade a little bit for this first year. So what, why is that your boundary? Is it because you want to create new, new memories separate from mom? Yeah. I mean, I've thought a lot about it. I think that for me in the group setting, hanging out with previous friends or, or not previous friends, but, but friends that we did a lot of stuff with as a group, yeah, there was just so much times that we, we did that. And then she was in an affair and still was with the guy where that was happening and, and you would have thought everything was normal. And so she yeah. was just able to really put on this, this fakeness. And at the moment, I don't, I'm just not comfortable seeing that again. Cause that's, what's going to be happening. Yep. Right. Like, I, yeah. I, and I'm trying to dig down to where understand why that is and how I get past that. But I just, I'm not there yet. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that you can acknowledge that's huge. So I, I lean towards gut in this situation. If, if it's making you feel uncomfortable to be in that situation, why put yourself in that situation? Right. Um, if it's going to make you, you know, be depressed, angry, whatever, and you don't feel ready, then I don't think there's anything wrong with having a boundary around that. Now, can you keep her from bringing the kids? No. Right. As long as it's on parenting time and all those things, she may do that. So you have to ask my, you have to ask yourself, are you okay with her doing that without you? Well, uh, for this particular dinner thing, it's called Cousins Christmas. It, it lands on a night that I that it's my boys. So she's asking well, me if she can go yeah. or not. And and I she can and definitely I told her I'm go. uncomfortable with it. Yeah. I mean, she definitely can go. I think you just have to decide for yourself, are you okay with them going or would you rather keep them? Um, I'm gonna lean towards in that situation that it may be a little bit more. I think long-term you would get a win out of this for yourself. If you let her take the kids and you sit this one out, meaning, you know, this isn't tit for tat, but it is strategy. And, you know, when you're dealing with another human being, you can't make her do things. You can't make her, you know, unless it's court ordered, you can't make her not go or, you know, whatever. Right. But what you can do is, is play the game in a fair way, which is, you know what, I'm, I'm going to let you do this. Cause I know this is a valuable thing to you. So by doing that, you're then winning something with her in terms of not just brownie points, but you're respecting, honoring, showing her that you care enough to let her do this, but you are sitting out because you don't feel comfortable. And that's the boundary for you. You're not controlling the situation by saying, no, I'm not going to let you take our kids to this thing. That would be manipulative and that would be destructive long-term short-term. It's going to hurt a little bit. If I were you, I'd you let him go. And then I'd go do something fun. I'd go find another friend. I'd go do something you can do. That's going to be fun for you. So that way you're not sitting around thinking about it, thinking about what's happening and who these people are and all that stuff. None of that solves anything. Well, I hear what you're saying. And I just want to share that the, the group of people that is with, she has like shut down and I have leaned on very much. So, so with that group of people, they are far more comfortable and they've all expressed it to me to me that far more comfortable with me being the one that's there mm-hmm. and her not being the ones there. And I haven't expressed that to her, but she has, she knows it because she has really pushed them out of her life where I lean into them. Right. But at the end of the day, 
you know, if, if, if it's going to make you feel uncomfortable being there with her and it feels like that's outweighing the whole situation, then why not let her go, let her experience whatever she experiences while she's there. The kids will have fun. They'll, you know, they'll find a way to have fun through the situation. Um, and you come out a winner, you still are able to, you know, go do whatever it is that you want to do that night. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to find new friends, to do, do new things that you haven't done before. Cause that's the part of, that's the beauty in divorce. It's not that divorce is this great thing and amazing thing, but it gives you an opportunity to find you again. It gives you an opportunity to do things you would have never done before. Had you not been, you know, in this relationship, I, I moved to a whole different side of town. I, I have a completely different set of friends, completely different life than I ever had before. Um, you know, and I love, I love it. I, it's different from what I thought it would be, but I love my life. So does that make sense or does that help you in yeah, any way? Do you have the same sort of feedback then for Christmas morning? Um, in terms of where she goes or, or what? She, she, it, this year it's worked out where it's going to be, uh, the, the boys will spend it up with her at her house. And she's invited me to, to, to show up there early Christmas morning and be a part of them opening gifts and the whole Santa thing. Um, so for, because it's the that first year, that favor next year. Yeah. Because it's the first year, I, I think it's not a bad idea. Um, I, we kind of did that. We were in-house separated on our first Christmas and it was weird, but we made it work for the kids. Then the very next year it was, you know, my house, her house, you know, all the things we were already divorced and stuff. Um, so it was different. Um, but since it's still kind of new, it may not be a bad idea. Um, again, you got to do what you can do. And if you, if it's hard for you emotionally and it's going to ruin things, you have to get into this. This is about the kids, not about you. Yeah. Right. That, that's the balance that I keep trying to. Yeah. You know. I think some of it's just literally yeah. your ego is just getting in the way. I mean, that's exactly where I was going to go with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to go back to a mental frame. We talked about a couple of weeks ago on a call of you have to disconnect her being mom and her being ex-wife for some of these situations. So right now it kind of what I hear a little bit is that you're clinging some to the ex-wife thing and it's kind of getting in the way of the situation happening and you have to go more into, well, this is mom, family time, whatever. Um, so you just, I don't know, I have to work on that disconnect with that. Right. I appreciate the feedback, guys. You're welcome. Man. Thanks for sharing. Guys, we're at the top of the hour. Thank you so much, Mark. We filled time and we could probably go for a couple more hours on it, but uh, I'm going to respect everybody's evening. And uh, thank you for joining us when we have other topics uh similar to this or you know i'll just throw it out there anytime you want to join we'll we'll welcome you in here i think kev will agree with me that um guys i appreciate you so much thank you for for everybody's perspectives and questions and time and uh, we will see you next week again Hey, this is Mark Santiago, CEO and founder of Empowered Man. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. However, before you go, I want to give you a special invitation. Now, listen, we've got a program that is designed specifically for men who are hurting right now, who are on the verge potentially of divorce, who are facing potential separation or already separated, and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with cheating. They're dealing with all kinds of shit. If that's you, I want to challenge you to take the Empowered Man 30-Day Challenge. That's right, the Empowered Man 30-Day Challenge. You can go to emchallenge.com right now and sign up for the 30-Day Challenge. 
Here's why I think you should do that. If you're hurting, you need to understand why you're hurting. You need to understand what is actually going on. In week one of the challenge, we are gonna actually rip off that Band-Aid a little bit and coach you through that process. And then we continue to do that process all the way to the point where you start to make decisions that are empowered instead of disempowered. I don't know about you, but I would much, much, much rather make decisions from a place of strength than a place of weakness. So if you're facing decisions, if you're facing this anxiety, what do I do? How do I respond? When my wife is being toxic, I don't know what to do. My wife is cheating on me. I don't know what to do. My wife doesn't love me. I don't know what to do. We are going to help you find those answers within. Now look, this 30 day challenge is probably unlike any other you've been a part of. Why? Because not only do we have daily assignments happening in the program every single day, but you also get live group coaching calls. I said live group coaching calls with myself and my lead coach. That's right, I am a part of this. It's not just some other people doing it. I am there live with you every single week call that we are on. Third part of that is you're gonna have a community of other guys that are going through exactly what you are going through. And the best part of this, this isn't even a fraction of the price we could charge for it. In fact, at some point we may raise the price, but right now it is at a bargain. So go to emchallenge.com, emchallenge.com to take the Empowered Man 30 Day Challenge, and I will see you on the inside.